verses 7 through 9. Psalms chapter 37, 7 through 9. Amen. 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 You know, it's funny. I got my head down and I hear y'all saying amen and I know who's saying it. Like, I know your voices. Amen. That's, that one was easy. <laughs> Be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for him to act. Don't worry about evil people who prosper or fret about their wicked schemes. Stop being angry. Turn from your rage. Do not lose your temper. It only leads to harm. For the wicked will be destroyed, but those who trust in the Lord will possess the land. Everybody, bow your heads. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I praise you. God, thank you so much for this church. It, <laughs> to sit here and to watch all these people worship. God, I don't even have to invite you in this church because you're here every time I walk in it. We asked you to be here from the very beginning, and it never fails. I was just talking to somebody about this. Every time I walk in, I feel your presence. I feel it now. I just praise you for that. Thank you for being the leader of this church. Thank you for being the center of this church. And thank you for letting your presence be known. God, I praise you for that. We need that. We accept that confirmation and we praise you for it. God, in this moment, you've given me a word. I have no doubt that this is a series that you wanted us to preach. We're getting prepared for something that you're calling us for as a church. But right now, Father, in this moment, I need you to anoint me from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. God, take all my pride away, my anger any distraction, Father. My doubt, Father, take that doubt away and replace it with nothing but your love, your boldness, your courage, and your breath. Do not allow me to say one word that is not of you today, Father. I ask these things in your name. Help us to love, help us to laugh, help us forgive. Amen. Okay. We're going to continue our series on you are called. Last week, uh, we discussed humility and obedience. This week, we're going to discuss two other characteristics that you need for when you are called to one of God's missions, which is patience and discernment. We've got some visitors here today, so I want to kind of break this down real quick. We started this series just three weeks ago. Um, speaking of that, it's kind of funny. I'm going to tell, you, I'm going to tell the congregation this. So, so three weeks ago, I, I came back from the beach you know, y'all know how much I love the beach, right? So I came back from the beach, and I was talking to the elders. And I was telling them, I was like, you know, two years ago I went to the beach, and, and God gave me so much confirmation to start the church, you know. And then last year I went to the beach, and God gave me the family series that we did right after Christmas. Y'all remember that series? That series really exploded the church, uh, not only in-house but online as well. God showed up big time through that series, right? Major victory. And, and then this year I go to the beach, and he gives me this series. And, and, and I told the elders, I said, you know, every time I go to the beach, I get these great, God just hands me these things, man, and it's really moving the church. I think y'all should let me go to the beach once a month and pay for it. <laughs> Kirby said no. He's shaking his head like, no. I thought if I asked that in front of, you know, with y'all standing there, put some pressure on them, but it, it didn't faze them one bit. 
So y'all be praying for your pastor that somehow, you know, God just hands him like a beach house, you know, and, and then I can go every month and we get some, some good sermons out of that, right? <laughs> hey, we can all go. I'm cool with that. I don't care how we get there. Let's just go, right? Like, I don't care how that works. I don't care who goes. That's fine. So today, again, we're going to continue this series. I'm sorry, Chase the Squirrel. So patience and discernment. That's what we're going to talk about today. I want to start with patience, and I want to go to the definition of patience from Webster's Dictionary. The capacity to accept or tolerate delay, trouble, or suffering without getting angry or upset. Yeah, I can't do that. I'm just going to be, let me rephrase it. I, no, I, I can't do that. But the God inside of me, when, when I allow it, because I struggle with it, he can be patient. He can be patient. Amen? Now I want to show y'all the biblical definition of patience. It's one word. One word. I'm going to tell you how I got that. In the Old Testament, the word patience is used zero times. Now there's words similar, but the word patience zero times in the New Testament 34 times what's the difference between the new and the old Jesus Christ well he was hush Mikey patience patience thank you thank you grace and mercy grace and mercy I have to tell myself that all the time grace and mercy Jesus in the flesh okay is that better is that, thank you. Okay, that's better. 34 times in the New Testament, the word patience shows up. Today, I want to discuss the patience of two great heroes from the Old Testament, Joseph and Nehemiah. The story of Joseph starts in, Gen in Genesis chapter 37. He was the youngest of Jacob's 12 sons. That's, that's who Joseph was. But his favorite son was Joseph. Jacob's favorite son was Joseph. And the reason for that was, was who the mother of that child was, which was Rachel. Rachel was the love of Jacob's life. But through, a, it's a whole different sermon, through a lot of turmoil and, and, and deception and so forth, he got tricked into some different things, had, had kids with multiple women, but, but then he had a son with Rachel, which was Joseph, who ended up being his youngest at that time. Jacob made him a coat uh, made of many colors. A lot of y'all have heard this story before. Uh, that coat of many, many colors, the reason for that, it shows favoritism. Uh, and, and that's a whole other sermon. Jacob really messed up with all that favoritism. We'll talk about that one day. Um, but Joseph would have dreams. And one of the dreams was he was going to rule over his 11 older brothers. This was not something that was just a dream, though. It was actually a, a dream, a vision, a mission that God was showing Joseph. He was showing him that this was going to be your mission. I'm going to give you this mission. And that's what we're talking about, right? God gives you a mission. What's the characteristics we need? We're going to get into more of that. The brothers did not like this. They decided to kill him. And, of course, they sold him to slavery. Uh, instead of killing him, they decided we'll just sell him, get rid of him. Joseph ended up in Egypt at a man's house named Potiphar. There, Joseph worked hard for his master and gained favor from him. Potiphar liked Joseph so much, he made him his personal assistant and then put him in charge of the household and all of his 
possessions. Okay, the, the way that I kind of look at this is, okay, over your household and all of your possessions, that's kind of, okay, at the church, all right, like, like Bojo's our associate pastor. If I was to walk away uh, and, and go to the beach, because the elders paid for me to go to the beach for a month or something like that, Bojo could handle everything. I have no doubt about that. Well, that's how Potiphar felt about Joseph. That's why he put him in charge. I have, um, you know, a, a regional manager that, that takes care of all of our locations for Micah's Jewelers. I have a manager that takes care of the location here in Texarkana. I trust those people to handle it for me. It makes my life easier, and I also know that if I have to go do something, that it's going to get handled. So y'all see, that's how this is working, right? That's how much Potiphar loved Joseph, okay? So here's a man that was sold to slavery to him, and now is his right-hand man. Get it? We following here? Head nods. Yes. Thank you. Okay. Now, the Bible says Joseph was a well-built, handsome man, and because of this, someone took notice. This is where the story gets a little PG-13. We're going to leave out some details, but Potiphar's wife saw Joseph, and, and he was, she was like, man, let's hook up. Like, she, she, he was tall and handsome, right? So Potiphar's wife pursues him, not only pursue, pursues him daily, by the way. I mean, this was something that she constantly did. But because he honored his master so much, he, he would turn away from her. But the Bible says again, day in and day out, I mean, his wife would walk up to her. How many of y'all watch Friends? Come on now. Show of hands who watch Friends. You, you're not a Christian unless you watch Friends. I'm kidding. <laughs> But, but, you know, when Joey's like, you know, you know how you doing? That's, that's what Potiphar's wife would do to Joseph day after day, okay? So Joseph, again, continues to turn her down. And then one day, Joseph came by. She basically attacked him and, and literally, it says, ripped his clothes off and, and he fled. And then she went and lied to her husband about it and said, now, listen, you know, he came to me, took his clothes off. I denied him. But she was mad because he wouldn't actually accept her. Y'all following all this? Basically, she attacked him, right? I mean, that's basically what she did. That reminds me of a personal story of, my, of myself. I ain't even told the story. Like, where are y'all going? Y'all are already laughing. Y'all got bad minds in here. Get your minds right. All right? So, so when I was young, uh, I, was, I was, let me see, it was my summer after I graduated high school. Okay, so summer, I, I went to this, this, what we'll call a, a gathering one evening at a, at, a, at a friend of mine's house. His name was Justin Partee. Justin, a good, good friend of mine. Anyway, went to his house, and, you know, this is one of those gatherings, you know, where, you know, teenagers get together, and, you know, they, they drink, you know, like Coke. <laughs> and Dr. Pepper's. So, so I'm sitting at, at, at this buddy of mine's house, and, and I'm visiting with another buddy, and it's just us outside because my other buddy liked to smoke, so he was outside smoking, and, and I was the dude that would just kind of hang out. I didn't smoke. You pastor didn't smoke. Well, I, I did a few times, but I didn't a lot. <laughs> but at, at that day, I was not smoking, okay? So I'm, I'm chilling. I'm sitting on, like, the hood of his truck. Well, I'm leaning back against it. I'm just kind of chilling, right? And we're visiting. Well, anyway, he goes back inside, and I'm finishing my Coke outside, and, and, and all of a sudden, like, there's these bushes to the left of me, like, 
right over here, and, and I, I heard something in the bushes. And, and I look over there, now it's dark. I need y'all to envision this, because it's very dark outside. It's like, you can't see much, right? But I see these, these glowing eyes looking at me, like, like glowing. You know what I'm talking about? Y'all picturing this? Okay. So I'm like, man, what is it? It kind of scared me a little bit, you know? So I just kind of tried to ignore it, and I was, I was finishing my coke. But, but then all of a sudden, these glowing eyes, it, it was a female. And she attacked my face like a puma <laughs> would attack its prey. You know what I'm talking about, pumas? Like, so attack my face, right? And, 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 and I was trying to resist. And I was like, don't. I was trying to get away, but, but I couldn't. And uh, anyway, so this puma's name was Amanda. And, and, <laughs> and it's okay, because just a couple weeks ago, we celebrated 16 years of marriage, right? So it was okay how it happened to me, but poor Joseph over here, it was a little bit different, right? But I was just letting y'all know that I know what it feels like to be attacked in those situations. See, everybody looks at me and Amanda, and they're like, here's Amanda and here's Micah. Like, how in the world he pulled that off? See, she came to me. See, I did not go to her. So I, I want to set the record straight on that. But poor Joseph, it was a little different story, but kind of similar. Y'all get that similarity, the attack thing? Okay. So one day... Because of all of this, Potiphar threw Joseph into jail. And Joseph, in that time frame in jail, he continued, though, to work for God and pursue the mission he gave Joseph in his dreams. See, when God gives you a mission, Satan will throw everything at you to take you off track. Everything. And that's what happened here. I mean, Joseph had this vision. He had this dream. And the next thing you know, his brothers hate him. They throw him into a pit, and then they end up selling him to slavery. Then he gets through this slavery part. Things are looking great, right? Like he's the right-hand man to Potiphar, and then all of a sudden his wife is psycho, you know, and, and then he gets thrown in jail. And now this man's sitting in jail, but he hasn't given up on the dream and the vision. While in jail, he continues to go through the process of growing in that walk. There were a couple men that came to him that were Pharaoh's servants. They had dreams. Joseph was able to interpret those dreams and help those guys through their process. Well, word got back to Pharaoh, the Pharaoh of Egypt, that there was this man that could interpret dreams, and, and Pharaoh was having all these dreams about all these issues and difficulties that Egypt was going to go through, but he couldn't interpret these dreams, so he called Joseph in. Joseph could interpret them. There was proof of these interpretations. So Joseph ended up being Pharaoh's right-hand man. Pharaoh, again, same thing as Potiphar did, gave him rule over all of Egypt. The only person over him was Pharaoh himself. And a lot of people don't catch this. I always thought this was really cool. Part of the story is, is Pharaoh actually gave Joseph Potiphar's daughter as marriage. And they had kids. I always thought that was kind of a cool turn of events there. So Joseph goes on, and through that process, he again starts to grow in that walk. Because here's the thing. See, the vision wasn't over yet. Now he's Pharaoh's right-hand man. You would think, well, that's the end of the story. That's a great story. But no, see, here's the thing. That's not the vision God gave him. You could end it right there. You could be happy with that. You could... Uh, 
You could be satisfied. You could accept it. But Joseph knew better. God gave him a vision, and that's the vision he was going after, which he was going to rule over his 11 brothers somehow in some way. Joseph was 30 at this time. He was sold to slavery at 17. So it's been 13 years of him being enslaved before he got this position with Pharaoh. Nine years after that, back in where his family was, they were struggling with a famine. So his father Jacob sent the brothers to Egypt to ask for food. Well, guess who was in charge of the food in Egypt? Joseph. This is a whole nother sermon, but I got to add this right here. A lot of y'all know this story. I feel somebody is struggling with forgiveness today. Twenty-two years, Joseph had to wait before the vision was fulfilled. And he stood in front of his brothers and he forgave them for all of that mess. I don't know that I could do that. I'm not going to sit here and lie to y'all. It's like I said earlier with patience. I know my flesh couldn't, but I know that God through me could. I just pray every day that he shows up in those moments. If you're struggling with forgiveness, if you're hanging on to something in the past, to a burden where somebody's done you wrong, get past it, guys. Twenty-two years of patience, and the vision was finally completed. Twenty-two years. Spent a lot of that time in slavery and in prison, but he was able to get through it. You got to be patient, guys. Sometimes these missions that God gives you, it's not going to show up tomorrow. Not that it won't, but most of the time it's not. Once he gives you a mission, then he's going to put you through a test of obedience. We talked about that. He's going to put you through tests of faith, which we're going to talk about that. Be patient through the process, okay? I want to go to Nehemiah real quick. Nehemiah is one of my favorite stories, and, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it, but I'm going to go through it real quickly because there's a great point to Nehemiah's story. Nehemiah was very similar, actually, to Joseph. He was a slave but he was a servant as a slave, and he was a, excuse me, he, he was, he'd become a servant through the process. Well, he was a servant with this king, and he was like his right-hand man, kind of very similar situation. His brother came to visit him from Israel, and at that time, I mean, the master of the house would not allow a servant's family in, but that shows you how much this man loved Nehemiah. He allowed his family to come into the castle, visit with him, and so forth. Well, his brother was telling him about all that was going on in Israel. The walls were coming down. Uh, people were coming in. They were stealing from the family. They were murdering the families. Nehemiah immediately knew God had put on his heart immediately that he was supposed to do something about it. He was really struggling. He was very sad. His brother leaves. He doesn't leave with him. The reason why is that he sat back and the Bible said he prayed for days. Biblical scholars say that it was 
four to five months that he prayed every single day. And what he was asking God was, when do you want me to go? I know you've called me, but when do you want me to go? Months pass. God gives him the push to go. When Nehemiah gets there, all the right people are in place. All the right tools are in place to rebuild the wall. If he goes right after his flesh felt like he was supposed to go, right after his brother talked to him, those things are not in place. And he's got months of heartache and struggle trying to put it together. Always pray for God's timing and not your timing when he does call you to a mission. Y'all feel that? It's very important that you do that. Don't get overly excited. I, I do that. God, give me something. I'm like, all right, let's go. You know, let's go. Hey, guys, you can't do that. It's great to be excited, but the very next question, God, when do you want me to go? Always remember that when he gives you a mission. Amen? Let's move on. When God calls you to a mission, we need to follow the example of these two men laid before us. Joseph, again, kept pushing, so we should always keep reaching. And then again, of course, pray for the right timing from God. I want to go to 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6. Timing is critical, guys. You should always pray for the right timing. This verse was up here last week when we were talking about humility. So humble yourself under the mighty power of God, and at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. So it's biblical. Make sure you ask for the right time. Now I want to go to discernment. That's the other characteristic we're going to talk about today. Webster's definition of discernment is the ability to judge well. The biblical definition of discernment is the ability to decide between truth and evil, right and wrong. It is the responsibility of every Christian to be discerning. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 21 through 22. Test everything that is said. Hold on to what is good. Stay away from every kind of evil. This is discernment. Some of you may not know exactly what discernment is, but that is, it's knowing right from wrong. That's, that's discernment. Some people have this gift, like my wife, who can literally pick it out. Like, it's amazing to me how she can, she can, let's say there's somebody that comes across our path that we may think, that like, that she may feel like some harm there if we, if we continue down that path with them. That's, that's the gift of discernment. And, and I can't tell you how many times she has come to me and said, sweetheart, this doesn't add up. And we step back from the situation, and it ends up being disrupted. I mean, she's pretty much batting a 1,000 on that. I have no doubt that's another thing with marriage. God put us together because that's a weakness that I have. But my wife is my strength in that, right? I want to go to, uh, let's go to 1 John chapter 4, verse 1. If you noticed in the last verse, it said to test all these things. So in 1 John, it breaks it down a little better. Dear friends, do not believe everyone who claims to speak by the Spirit. You must test them to see if the Spirit they have comes from God. For there are many false prophets in the world. When he says test here, he's not just talking about testing other spirits, by the way. He's also warning you to test your own spirit as well. Because pride will get in the way. Notice that spirits is plural. You see, being a 
child of God, you have the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you, right? But you see, our flesh allows Satan to come in and that spirit to disrupt us. I've taught this a few times and we've talked about it a lot, but I know there's some people here that haven't heard this. So for those of y'all that have, just act spiritual and nod your heads. It's kind of like the cartoon. You've got the angel on one shoulder and you've got the devil on the other. Y'all know what I'm talking about? I mean, Bugs Bunny kind of stuff, right? You know, some of these really young kids are like, who's Bugs Bunny? But that's Space Jam. There you go, Space Jam. So discernment and testing the spirits. You've got to have discernment to be able to fill the mission because you've got to make the right decisions, right? So what the Word is telling us is to test those decisions. So there's two ways I want to teach you all how to test the decisions when you've got one on the left and one on the right, you've got the angel on this shoulder, you've got the devil on this shoulder, but you're not sure which one's the angel and which one's the devil, right? First John literally says to test it. So what you do, this is what I do in all those situations, is I'll look this direction where I'm hearing this voice, and I'll ask them, is Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior? And I hear nothing. It's quiet. Because that's the spirit of evil. But when I look this way, I don't even have to say a word. I feel it. And I know that's the direction I need to go. That's testing those spirits, guys. If you ask them that question, I promise you, the one that is the right direction to go, you will hear it so loud. It gives you nothing but peace. Which leads me to the second way of discernment. If you're sitting at a crossroad and you got to go left or right, and you're looking down that left way, and you're like, that's not a bad way. It feels pretty good over there. But then you look to your right, and you feel nothing but peace and joy. Run that direction. Real peace only comes from God. I've said that many times. It's the false peace of the world that you don't want to run after. Only follow God's real peace. I promise you, if you go in the direction of real peace, that decision is going to come out to be a victory. In 1 Kings chapter 3, Solomon, the son of David, took over as the king of Israel. Uh, his prayer to God in the beginning, I love this about Solomon. He was such a humble guy. He prayed for wisdom to rule over God's people. That's what he wanted. He didn't say, I want to be you know, the richest king. I don't want to be the most powerful king. He said, give me all the wisdom you can give me to rule your people properly, the way that you would want them to be ruled this wisdom with this great wisdom came great discernment for Solomon at the end of chapter 3 in 1st Kings Solomon shows his gift of discernment by testing the spirits of two women this is an example these two women these two prostitutes by the way came to Solomon came to the castle set before Solomon and they were fighting over a baby this baby, these two women had a baby within three days of each other. One of these ladies rolled over on the baby and killed the baby during sleep. She saw this, it upset her. She took that baby and exchanged it for the other woman's baby while she was sleeping. The woman wakes up, goes to the crib. Her baby's dead. She freaks out, but realizes, ah, this isn't my baby. This is your baby. 
So they get in this huge argument, right? So they have to go to Solomon. Solomon, again, with great discernment and wisdom, has both of them sitting before him, and he says, I got a great idea. Calls one of his soldiers up, says, hey, go grab me a sword. Gets the sword, puts the baby in front of him, and he says, we'll just cut the baby in half and give one to you and one half to you. Now, please keep in mind, obviously, Solomon was not going to cut this baby in half, okay? Let's not, let's not think that of Solomon. This is, but he's a smart man. One of the ladies said, okay, no problem. The other one immediately shouted and said, give her the baby. And Solomon knew that's the mother. Testing. Test the spirits. This is just a great example of how he used his discernment to make a great decision and give that baby to the right woman. At the very end of Luke chapter 10, we come across two sisters, Mary and Martha, both great friends of Jesus. Most of y'all know who Mary and Martha is. Uh, he comes to visit, and uh, Martha's trying to get everything prepared. Uh, I, can, I, I, I watch this in a play. All the disciples show up and so forth, and Martha knows that she's got to get all these guys fed. And, you know, you got to think these are growing boys, right? I mean, like, these ain't, young, these ain't like old guys. Like, these are younger dudes. They're traveling all the time. They're always walking, so you know they're hungry. So she's in there, and that's what she was known for was her cooking, by the way. So she's trying to prepare all this stuff. But her sister Mary, as soon as Jesus shows up, she quits with the helping, and she goes and sits at Jesus' feet and listens to his teachings and his stories. Well, obviously, that made Martha kind of mad. So, <laughs> let's go to Luke chapter 10, verse 41 through 42. Let's just read it. The Lord answered her. This is when Martha was upset. He says, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has made the right choice, and it will not be taken away from her. See, Jesus was telling Martha that Mary was doing the right thing by not letting the busyness and the distractions get in the way of her listening to God. See, Jesus doesn't want you to serve for him. He wants you to serve with him. What Martha was doing was serving for him. What Mary was doing was serving with him. And that's what Jesus wants us to do. We have to make sure that we make the right decisions and not let this busyness of obstacles that get in our way take us away from listening to Jesus. Martha got so caught up in, I got to get this ready, I got to get this ready, that she wasn't paying any attention to what Jesus was teaching. The Son of God was standing right there in front of her. She got so caught up in the busyness of life, she didn't hear him. Discernment to make good decisions Number one is listening to the Holy Spirit. Number one, that's the most important. And pray about it. And pray about it. Story of discernment. Annabelle's going to be mad at me for telling the story, but Annabelle is a freshman this year. She's starting high school. And uh, so the other day we had meet the teacher, and she had freshman orientation, so I called her over and I said, Annabelle, I, said, I got to warn you about these things that are walking around the high school. They're, they're called older boys. <laughs> they're the devil. <laughs> and it tells us in the book of James 
to resist the devil and they will flee from you. So I said, so you just look at them and say, devil, get behind me and flee from me. That's what I'm trying to teach my kid, right? I mean, that's the truth. You, you know, you don't, uh, are looking at me like, but I got an older son. What are you talking about? Is he the devil? You, you know what he's doing? Like, get him straight. I got a freshman daughter I got to look after. Amen? Discernment, guys. Teach your children discernment. It starts with you as a family. It starts with you as your husband, or excuse me, as a father and a mother. It starts in your household. This discernment is so important that you teach your children at a young age. Obviously, I was kidding with my child a little bit. Some of it was straight up truth. Make sure that you don't let certain people take advantage of you through life. Make sure that you don't listen to all the great words that they may say. Trust in the Holy Spirit. I have no doubt my daughter will do that. I have no doubt. And if she don't, I'm going to hurt somebody. We'll pray for them. As you can see, along the way to fulfilling the mission that God called you to, discernment is extremely important. You have many instances along your walk when Satan will again throw many things in your direction to try and mess you up and knock you off of course. Do not allow him to take you off the path that God has put you on. Test those spirits and be patient in that walk. Amen.